Welcome to A Life Invested, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the lifestyle of your dreams by investing in people, assets, and yourself. I'm your host, Roger Comstock. All right, my friends. Well, welcome. Welcome back to A Life Invested. I am very, very grateful to have an individual on the show today that has done something incredibly unique, and I can't wait for you guys to hear more about it. This is Glenn Loveless, and he is one of the best dudes around. Um, in 2017, Glenn lost fat, gained some muscle, and won $100,000 losing weight in a 12-week online challenge with bodybuilding.com. I'm going to say that again. He won $100,000 in a 12-week challenge. Uh, that is the coolest thing. Uh, you'll have to tell us more about it. He was competing against 60,000 other people and won. His degree, ironically, is from BYU's School of Family Life. Glenn has coached over 3,000 online business owners since 2008. When he won the challenge in 2017, he began helping men to reclaim their health. Glenn has since bridged progress and health and business back to where our success as men is most important, the walls of our homes. Glenn has been married since 2004 to an Arizona gal named Amber. They have six kids and just built their dream home in Mapleton, Utah. I love Mapleton, a beautiful place. A few years ago, Glenn's clients started calling him their wingman, and so he adopted and branded the identity. His focus mantra, your goal is my goal, creates a powerful brotherhood to help men achieve and accomplish their goals. Perhaps the best news about working with Glenn is he'll teach and show you how to grind less and enjoy the work along the way. So, Glenn, welcome to the show, man. I, I love uh, everything you've got going on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. You bet, man. Well, first and foremost, before we get rolling here, tell the listeners uh, where they can go to learn a little bit more about you and what you're all about. Yeah. So uh, if they go to glennlovelace.com, um, that's obviously a great place to find me. They can get scheduled, um, ask questions. Um, I'm most active on uh, Instagram. So it's your wingman is the handle there. Um, I've got some like texting options and opt-ins and stuff like that too. Once they figure out what they need and what they want, but the website and Instagram is perfect. Awesome. Really, really cool. And just so everybody knows, Lovelace is spelled L O V E L A C E. Okay. So, um, no S's in there and, uh, Glenn is with two N's G L E N N. So yes. good, good to have you on the show, brother. Tell us, um, what kind of got you into doing what you're doing? Cause it's super unique. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy because I used to make fun of coaches, particularly life coaches. Um, I remember seeing the movie, yes, man, with Jim Carrey back in the day. I don't know what year that came out, but it's been a bit. And, uh, he just started saying yes to his life. And I was like, you know what, as funny as this is, and I know they're making fun of Tony Robbins in this, at least that's how I interpreted it. And I just started saying yes, a little bit more. Um, in, uh, 10 years ago, this last Christmas Eve, this, we're going to kind of just dive right in, but I had a gun in my hand, Roger. Like I was done with life. I was up against a bunch of things. We can go into, you know, into that, but typical dude stuff with having setbacks financially burning through savings a few times, you know, having really good intentions and kind of getting taken advantage of kind of became a victim of my story, both in my marriage and in, in life and the home I had purchased at the time. And I just got done. You know what I mean? So I went back to the gym at the time. I'm like, I got to start taking care of myself. Um, I had injuries. I've had, I don't know, somewhere between 15 and 20 surgeries. So it just felt like my life was always starting over, starting over, starting over. And things were never really jiving. I don't know 
if your followers, I don't know a lot about the followers here, but my weight was up and down 50, 60 pounds all the time, kind of a roller coaster. And I had this opportunity to get out of three jobs that I was working. This was the story by winning this bodybuilding.com challenge. So I resigned from my dream job. I used all my PTO. Like I was literally all in. I even ripped my kitchen out of my, of the house we were living in. I'm like, I'm going to win. And I can tell you the, the fun stories of how I set that up in my own head, but that really became kind of the catalyst to be like, okay, I have a hundred grand, which isn't very much money. It, it's, it's great, but you, it's not going to totally take care of all your problems. But that gave me a new platform to kind of help men in losing weight. And from there, it's just kind of evolved into, wow, all the screw ups, all the mess ups over say 20 years of being an adult has now come full circle where I can speak a lot of different languages from constructions to loans to sales, door-to-door sales, all kinds of things. And now I'm able to help men reach their goals and sort through their problems. So I've had a lot of problems, man. I've had a lot of problems. What an incredible story though. Um, Thank you very, very much for being vulnerable and sharing that. Um, Just appreciate you a ton. It's really, really great to have you on the show here. Um, Maybe you can tell the listeners what it is that drives you. What's your why behind all of this? Because for you to go up against 60,000 other people, right? That's that is substantial, right? To be able to have this mindset of like, I'm going to win. What was driving you and that uh, that allowed you to uh, kind of take the cake in comparison to all of these other, all these other guys? No, absolutely. So that happened in 2017. Um, back in like 2004, um, I was hanging around a lot of like, I don't know, I call them successful sales guys. We were reading uh, Think and Grow Rich, talking about it. We were think we were reading you know, um, James Allen's book, As a Man Thinketh, and just a couple other Augmandino type books. And I didn't really get it. I kind of, I kind of fell to, if I say it enough, it'll come true, but the actions weren't ever there. So the real drive came from all the pain, really. So I, I had been able to create some pretty wild deals with finding a motorcycle, multiple times where I'm like, this is exactly what I want. And then all of a sudden things would align and that motorcycle would be in my garage within like a week or a month. And I was just like, man, like, how can I like do this thing big? How can I bring all these elements of a recipe together and just be like, do something that's actually going to have an impact and make a difference for my family, myself, and not just some stupid motorcycle that's sitting in the garage. Right. So When I set out to do the challenge, I honestly kind of burned a bunch of bridges with work. Um, I was a firefighter and EMS, uh, ran ambulance for Springville, and it was my dream job. I loved it. Didn't pay very good, but it was my third job, and I, I, I resigned from it. And that job was my way out of UPS. I'd been at UPS for 10 years, that 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. shift, just throwing boxes amazing insurance but not good for a family guy to be gone two in the morning till eight then go to my full-time job then I had a pager and I'm responding to calls like it was really bad as far as being on the run so you take all this pain from the job I was 
missing it. I've talked to a lot of men over the years and they put a lot of effort in at the beginning of their careers, 10, 20 years, whatever it is. And then they miss those early days with their kids or they put themselves in a corner with their health or they're, we're just trying to figure this out. Uh, the, the book I'm writing is called you've never been a man before with this idea that we really don't know what we're doing at 35, 40, because those circumstances keep changing. So a lot of my drive really, Roger, like came from the pain. It came from losing. It came from quitting too soon. It came from missed opportunities when I should have kept going. And combining that with the gym, I just had a great outlet to go feel more pain and just start processing things. Oh, that's amazing. Um, what a cool uh, kind of timeline, right? As far as where you've been from 2004 to where you currently are today, a lot of great lessons learned. And I'm sure like you said too, those lessons allow you to uh, provide actual empathy for the individuals that you're working with. It's not like, oh man, that, that would be hard, but I don't understand. It sounds like with the people that you have had the opportunity to invest time with, you you can relate to them in a lot of ways. So that's really, really powerful. I love that. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what what would you say to that version of Glenn um, as far as advice goes? Um, this is really fun because part of my process is right now is your good old days. So mm, I love that. Five, five, 10 years from now, we're going to look back at you know, 2023 and whatever happens this year for good or for bad, we're, we're naturally as people going to pick out the good things that were going on. The more present we can be today, the more we can be intentional and create, you know, good memories this year, no matter what happens in 2020, when COVID happened, I loved it. I was so intentional about the few things that made my life tick. And honestly, it was, those were some of the best years of my married life with my kids and lots of growth in my business too. But if I were to go back to my twenties, I'd be like, dude, enjoy this newlywed phase. It would be, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be in such a rush because the sooner, the sooner you get to the mortgage, now you got to pay for the thing. You know, you got into a house, but everything is going to have some opportunity costs, some consequences, and you're just delaying your happiness. So I've taken that kind of model and been like, well, that's totally relevant for us today. Let's make today our good old days so that in five years we can look back and be, wow, we did we did a lot of fun stuff, even though things were hard. I like that perspective. What advice would you give to people that are trying to be able to adopt that sort of paradigm for life? Because in, in a lot of cases, people look at COVID and say, that was like a really rough time, right? That was really challenging. It was hard. There was a, um, I mean, the world was in kind of disarray economically, right? Um, kind of, I mean, politically, all of these things. And so, uh, I I'm with you. Like, I feel like, man, I, there's a lot of great things that kind of, uh, a Phoenix from the ashes, right? Good, good things that came of those experiences, but right. what, what are you doing or what have you done to be able to develop that type of paradigm? Um, I, I think you live long enough and you have perspective. So if I were going back to my twenties, it's, it's easy to be in a rush. It's easy to think as soon as I have this, that, and the other in place, then I can be happy. Then I can have more time. 
then I can serve people. Like I know your, your G's are gratitude, growth and giving. And I just can't count how many guys are like, as soon as I make this much money, then I can circle back and start giving. And I'm like, no, you have to be in gratitude and growth and giving now because you're going to occupy that space later. So when it comes to like COVID, I had just quit my six figure job. It was easy. I literally go to work and I just hit play on what I do. I could literally watch movies while I did my job because it was so easy. I was so comfortable and I made good money and I had a full on kitchen there and a weight room. I'm not into golf, but we had a golf simulator and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was fun. The guys I worked with were great. And I quit that. And then literally two weeks later, COVID happened. Everything shut down. I'm all in on my business. So when I say, hey, COVID was the best year of my life, I'm also saying, look, it was also one of the hardest years because I'm like, I'm either in or I'm going to drown. And I had a few clients. We had some projects in the works. And I just went over to one of my clients' house. I'm like, dude, are we doing this or not? Because it's not too late for me to go back. And we just went all in and it was amazing. So for younger guys, I would say, look, buy yourself some time. Talk to these older guys. I don't know that I'm old. I'm 41, but I have messed up and made a lot of mistakes. And I don't think we have to make all the mistakes just to learn something. So yeah, I, I think that would be my advice is slow down, look up, see who's around you, surround yourself with good guys, and then just stop being in such a rush. Yeah, I, uh, I love that advice particularly. I think um, there's this paradox that I've found to be uh, true in being able to accomplish big goals, and it's we actually speed up by slowing down. Oh, so right. true. It's such an important thing to remember. Um, and you talked about being present, which I think is just absolutely critical, right, for people in their lives. But yeah. maybe maybe you could speak to how that has um, been a, a an important piece of your life, right? Because you've mentioned that slowing down is an important thing, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, right. I think all all too often we find individuals that are just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They're like, I got to do this. And they, they start comparing themselves to everybody else. And that gets them into a lot of trouble, right? right? Because they they feel like things should be happening immediately. And why aren't they, you know, 20 steps ahead right now? And so what uh, what would you say speaking to the point of just slowing down? Well, I mean, you've got the uh, Stephen R. Covey analogy of sharpening the saw, right? Yeah. And I know... Absolutely probably everybody's heard it, but it's, it's important to kind of remember that if you slow down, you can actually sharpen things. You can be a little more intentional about where you're swinging. Um, so I know men, we base a lot of our worth off of how much we can get done. And so no matter how much we get done on the daily, we reach the end of the day and we see that there's all these unmet check boxes, right? So this can be kind of frustrating. This can be annoying. This can be stressful. And then if we have a, a wife and kids and they have their, their needs and the minute you walk in the door, that's you're kind of vacuumed into it. You can actually start to resent them because they're pulling you away from your projects. They're pulling you away from growth and providing. So when it comes to slowing down, this is, this is really frustrating. This is a lot of work to be that intentional. If we don't slow down, the consequences are big. So I can't count how many men 
I've talked to that just go, go, go as fast as they can. They look up five or 10 years later and there's literally like a wake of destruction behind them, whether it's debt, divorces, kids who don't care, um, all kinds of scenarios. I mean, you, you probably have buddies that have gone through a lot of these things and a lot of that pain was unnecessary if they would have just sharpened the saw in all areas of their life. So when it comes to being present and being more intentional, it's like, what if I really knew exactly what I wanted and I had a really clear path and I set up a day-to-day plan of actions that this is all I need to do today and then the rest is extra, then men can create their good old days, have their hobbies, have their walks with their wife, whatever they're doing. And they're not leaving a wake of more and more problems that they're going to have to sort through later. Now, when we feel overwhelmed, exhaustion, we're stressed out, what tends to happen is we need to hit the reset button. And what men tend to do is they overeat, they consume alcohol and drugs and pornography, they waste time on social media. Um, they, they are buffering or resisting or avoiding or reacting to their emotions and they don't even realize it. So if they go too fast, they're creating all these systems of fatigue and loneliness and exhaustion. And then they, they don't process those emotions. And then they take those emotions to these bad habits. And then those bad habits have negative consequences and it's just, it's just a mess. And we don't know this. Like, we don't know what we're doing when we set our lives up to be go, go, go. Yeah, I, I, uh, I love that insight. I think for, uh, for individuals to recognize that it's okay to, um, to, to, to slow down and to be, to, to be able to be intentional about a particular goal. Um, and what I mean by that is we've been conditioned from, very young ages to feel like we need to be going from nine until six o'clock at night, right? That's what you need to do. That's the, that's the work day, nine to six, nine to six or nine to five, nine to five, whatever it may be. And what's important is recognizing that, um, we, we can actually bring in the things that are most important to our lives and kind of displace the things that are causing hiccups, right? Or roadblocks in regards to getting us where we're going. And so, when I, when I think about, and this is also Covey, but when I think about my eulogy, beginning with the end in mind, I think like, well, what is really going to matter at the end of life anyway, right? Like, let's say, you know, we, we've, uh, we, we've worked hard and we've tried to prioritize the things that matter. If I'm on my deathbed, it's not going to matter to me if I worked a couple extra hours during a day, right? Or uh, went to, I, I don't know, I had something that just seemed so important at business that needed to be done. What will matter though, is if I had missed a kid's ball game or a girl's dance class, or wasn't there if my wife needed me. And so I always want to prioritize those things. And what's interesting about this process is that when we put the things that are most important into place, everything else also kind of falls right where it needs to be right in life. Um, it's this reciprocity. I don't understand how it works. Uh, I believe it's God that does it, but um, when we give, I've, yeah, it's amazing. I've, I've got this personal vision proclamation, which is like a eulogy and it's an exercise mm-hmm. that most men take months and months and months to put together. Um, but it's literally this vision and affirmations of this is the type of guy I want to be. So you, you, if you can capture this vision of who I am, who I want to be five, 10 years from now, or 
whenever this eulogy actually happens, what do I want to be able to say? And, you know, Ed Milet talks about meeting the man you were, you were intended to be, you were designed to be. And I've heard others say the hell would be um, getting on the other side or passing away and then meeting the man you could have become or the gal, right? And so if we can slow down and get a perspective on where we're headed and then work our way backwards, those affirmations can be tied to your gifts, your talents, the callings on your life. And then you start to design a day-to-day practice that fits with what is my perfect day formula? Like if, if, if COVID hit and everything gets shut down, what are the main things I want to put in to the jar? What are the rocks? And then we start showing up and being that person from that vision or that eulogy. And you give that thing some time under tension. And now all of a sudden these things are naturally coming in your life because you're being and not just chasing all these actions of what other people are doing. So pretty powerful. Yeah, it is. That truly is. Thanks for sharing. Thank you very, very much, Glenn. I love that. If you, if you were able to uh, sit in front of, you know, this audience, which you are now, I mean, what would be the one thing that you would want people to remember about what you, you are sharing? What's like the most important thing you could think of to be able to teach people? Um, that's a really fun. I think the the topic that comes to my mind is the power of making a choice. Mm, all of that. Yeah. Tell us why. Um, so rewind to, I don't know, 10 years ago, let's say, uh, it was two in the morning. I'm coming down the stairs. My heart is hurting because I'm missing it. I'm missing it. I'm leaving at 2 a.m. I'm getting home somewhere around 8 or 9 p.m. And then I'm running around with this stupid pager. Uh, I was literally working 90 to 100 hours a week for almost four years. And I, I don't know how I did it. But my 10-year prayer to God was, just tell me what to do so I can do that. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. And so imagine... This, this question of what am I supposed to do with my life? I get to the landing in the stairs and the answer that I felt like came to me was, Glenn, not making a choice is your choice. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really basic, but really powerful. And I, I sat with that question for six months, didn't make any other choices, but I felt like once I started making choices and moving towards what I wanted, that I could have it, that I could create it. And for those that are believers, I felt like if I involved God, he would magnify my efforts and those efforts would feel more effortless. Like it would be more natural to what I wanted. So I think a lot of times um, business owners, pretty much every human were faced with choices. So when we sit and we stay stuck and overwhelmed, we're not, we're not moving we're literally stuck in indecisiveness. We have that split mind of this and that. So that split mind will create uh, regret, regret from missed opportunities, all because we're fearful of the future. Does that make sense? So it's kind of back to the presence of being here today. So I have regrets in the past. Those regrets, as I connect the dots backwards, have created my story. They've created who I am. I found purpose and meaning kind of that whole life is happening for me, not to me. And then in the future, the future is so unknown. Like we could, we could go on all kinds of rabbit holes on what we think is going on with politics, economics, the dollar. It's just endless the amount of things that we could be afraid of. 
And so I have to make decisions based on what's my vision, what's my day-to-day plan. I'm still going to feel all these emotions and try to forecast what's going on in the future. But if I can show up and make these, these sets of choices consistently over a period of time, I'm going to start producing results that equal what I want. So making a choice is so, so, so powerful. Yeah. I like that a lot too. The power of making a choice. And, uh, one of the reasons I appreciate that uh, notion so much is because a, a lot of times people use um, not making a choice as an excuse for not getting what they want. Absolutely. So right. So it's just like, oh man, uh, or they'll they'll end up blaming something else, um, and that will almost make them feel uh, some relief. Validated. Yeah, yeah, validated. Right. Like. Oh, I shouldn't start a business because the economy's bad anyway, so I won't do it. So they just I call it excuse juice. They just kind of like inject themselves with this excuse juice like, ah, good, I don't need to worry about it. But instead they can say, "No, actually right now, economically, that there's always opportunities, and this is a great time to be able to start a business. It might be scary, but I need to if I'm going to do it, I need to make a decision, right? And it's, right. it's not something I can keep putting off. So I really love that idea of the power of making a choice. Um, thank you. Right. And, and being yeah. able to kind of bring everything inside too and saying, what, what is it? And this is kind of, uh, I mean, this is certainly Covey-esque as well, where we can control some things, right? Internally and whatever we can control, we should take um, accountability over. The things we can't control, we can kind of let go. But starting a company, being a good husband, being a good father, um, those are all things that are within our wheelhouse, right? That we we have the ability to be able to do by making by making a decision, to your point. Uh, how would you define, I really enjoy hearing people's answers to this. How, how would you define first success? And then after you help us understand how you would define success, how would you define happiness? Cause it's right, so happiness for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to inverse this. Uh, there's a quote from Tony Robbins called progress is happiness. Mm. And I think it comes from not your guru on Netflix. So, uh, if you like Tony or you don't, you should go check out this, this documentary. It's really, really powerful. Um, the, the power of that, that uh, documentary is if you put yourself in each one of those people's situations and say, where is this true about me? So I took Tony Robbins, quote, progress is happiness, and I changed the middle word to creates. So progress creates happiness. I want to be the creator I want to be actively involved in the results I'm getting. And so that word creates just is, is really, really fun to me. Um, success is an interesting one because there's external success and then there's internal or intrinsic success. So the external kind of gets tied to modernity and consumerism and consumption where uh, I've been frustrated over the years because there's always a new truck there's always a bigger house. There's always a dude with bigger muscles and a deeper squat or whatever I'm looking for externally as success. It just never ends. So it feels exhausting to me. Um, it doesn't mean that those things aren't fun or that they're not rewarding or they're not worth pursuing, but at what cost? So when I look at success now, I'm looking more at internally where I am enough and I'm still pushing to be the man that I was designed to be to create that man. And so for me, success is really microscopic where it's like, okay, what am I willing to feel and process? What am I willing to communicate? 
what am I willing to um, see as progress and then show up to the people that I care about. So I don't want to get down the road and have more and more regrets stacked up against me. So for me, success has been the willingness to kind of keep going regardless of how I'm feeling or what pain and obstacles are coming my way. So when I, uh, for example, you said you're writing a book. I don't know about you, but I don't know how to write a book. Yeah, this is me too, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> this has been, I have a publisher and a coach and I want to write every word of my book. I, nothing against ghostwriting or anything, but this, this has to be from me. Yeah, and yeah. this has been the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever done. And, but my willingness to keep pushing forward, not be in a rush and just sort through the day to day. Like I'm learning so many lessons um, about myself and about how I categorize, you know, obstacles. And so when we set these bigger goals that move us towards success, the success really for me is showing up on the daily and all these little nuggets or tender mercies from God, but all the little things along the trail from here to the peak, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this, this little piece of success cost me a week, a month, a year. And those little pieces, I think that's what you're trying to give on this podcast or in your book is, man, this is, this is all my successes and their thoughts, their lessons, their stories. And at the end of the day, that's really what our legacy is. Dude, I had a client a few years ago. He's like, Glenn, I want to build legacy wealth. And I'm like, dude, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know. He's like a hundred million. I'm like, okay. And th this guy, we worked on this whole plan on how to get this crazy raise. He got a half a million dollar raise at work from doing this coaching process. It was phenomenal. But I said, uh, I'm like, Josh, go home and ask your wife what she thinks legacy wealth is. Go home and ask your kids how important this dollar is. And he had a rude awakening. And I, I feel like the legacy we leave behind is these books. It is these stories. It is our journals. It is how we make people feel. It is the impact we have on those around us. It is the love that we give. And so to me, that's, that's what success is. Thanks for that answer. Um, I really appreciate that. And I really love your perspective. Uh, I think that's great. It sounds like you've done some incredible work with the people that you've been able to, you've been able to help. Um, for you, it, it, obviously, you've gone through this uh, process of becoming successful through uh, challenges, right? Growing, which everybody has to go through. There's no get-rich-quick scheme, right? There's no uh, shortcut to being able to... Um, I mean, wealth is one thing, but just grow personally as well, right? Self-development. Right. Um, what What would you say is the number one like productivity hack that you currently utilize in your schedule or routine to be able to uh, perform kind of at an optimal level? Oh, that's fun. Yes. Um, number one, that's, that's tricky. Um, I would say number one would possibly be a type of planning called Monday hour one. Cool. where you, you take an hour on Sunday or Monday, you map out, you kind of do a brain dump of all the things you could do. You've got these project goals. You've got these markers of your day-to-day, win-the-day stuff. And then you plug things into your calendar. And I used to be such a big, uh, I want to be spontaneous. 
I want to not have a schedule. Like everything in my life is scheduled. Um, the other productivity hack is a tool called the model. The model is from Brooke Castillo. It shows you how your thoughts are producing how you feel. Feeling leads to actions. Actions always produce results. So if I spend time on what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling and slow down, as you're saying, then I can start to see that I'm creating these results based on how I'm thinking or what I'm missing. And, and so those two processes are really powerful. Um, my wife is a great productivity hack. I can bounce all kinds of stuff off of her and she comes back like a bulldog. She's pretty, pretty fierce. Um, but those, those are, those are a couple. I, I love that idea. Um, I think it's interesting, this idea of letting the destination that we have in our minds determine the path that we take instead of letting our path determine our destination, right? And it sounds like that Monday, hour one that you just mentioned is a great way to be able to figure out exactly what the destination looks like for the week and so that you can kind of blaze your own trail to make sure you get there. Right. Because unfortunately, yeah. so many people live lives where they're just literally just acted upon. Right. It's just like it, whatever happens during the day, I'm just going to let it happen. And that can be that can be a really, really um, difficult process. If somebody is wanting to be able to achieve a goal, they wonder why they're not getting there um, if they're just kind of letting everything happen to them. And so taking control and, and uh, getting things down on paper, being intentional, recognizing that our thoughts determine our feelings and uh, our behaviors and results. I love that. What were you just going to say? I love this. Yeah. So when you plug something into your schedule, like writing your book, what happens is you show up to that schedule like you're an employee. What's going to happen is you're going to have all this resistance to doing something you don't know how to do. So then that's where your work is. Why am I so resistant to doing this thing? I want to do this, but I'm afraid whatever the fears are, whatever the anxiousness is, maybe you're just simply tired. So as we show up to the thing we wanted to do or committed to do, we're going to present with whatever the excuses are. So, so much of us show up with, what do I feel like doing right now? And it's definitely not going to the gym, like, or it's definitely not eating this thing that I've predetermined to eat because it moves me towards my goals. So it's a process of making commitments, showing up to those commitments, and then processing through how do we feel about it? What are we thinking? Why is there so much resistance to doing the thing we said we were going to do? And as you do that work, however long it takes and you stick with it, it makes the result inevitable. Like your book is going to get finished. Um, Three Feet from Gold. I know you love, I, I think you love the story. It seems like I've heard you talk about it. Yeah. This dude gave up. Fault line, Three Feet from Gold. Crazy. This other dude hires an expert and unbelievable wealth, right? The wealth is really you just finishing what you start. And you start to realize that um, no matter how hard it gets, I can st still continue to show up one day at a time. Tomorrow's a new day. It's just kind of all these thoughts and mantras that start to take, take power and momentum. So the calendar, show up, feel it, process it, show up tomorrow. Don't quit too short. What a great, uh, what a great thought, man. Thank you very, very much for sharing. I, I'd say too, with this, uh, just to piggyback off what you shared, 
the people that stick with something because yeah book to me like i'll just say i've I've mentioned this in a podcast before but for me writing was never something like i liked doing i wasn't like in in uh, high school or college excited to write papers in fact i dreaded them um it it wasn't good and and even for me writing a book it was something that i did not want to do i just kept feeling like i needed to do it and so i'd be i'd have this feeling like you need to write a book and it was like no please no like i don't i don't want to do (laughs) anything but that yeah exactly (laughs) And what I realized is just what you shared. Now I've got tons and tons of uh, pages all together and stuff, but it's it's just one day at a time, you said. Um, it's much easier to think of writing a page than an entire book or a certain word count. And that allows us to, it's the same approach that we can take to life in order to be able to get big results. What generally happens with individuals that are trying to accomplish meaningful things is they'll start something and when they don't get the results as quick as they thought they should come, They'll move on to something else, right? But if we saw that with an acorn, I've talked about acorn and oak trees too a whole lot, but if an acorn was trying to be an oak tree and decided, you know, three months along as a sapling, like, hey, this is too hard, it, it wouldn't work, right? It would get squished or whatever it may be. And that's the biggest thing is, is people start and they don't think it's going to be as hard as it is. Yeah. So if we can see that before we start, and then resist that shiny object syndrome or shiny goal syndrome where it's like, oh, all this resistance means I probably shouldn't do this. Or I used to take it as a sign from above that, oh, this this road is not for you. And really, it was like, I just really didn't realize it was going to be this hard. And so the how is what we don't know how to do when it's writing a book. We keep showing up and we're like, man, I am learning so much about myself and how hard this is. And I think you shared on on an episode that 999 acorns don't make it or something. What was the number? I don't remember. Yeah, it's one in 10,000. Oh, it's even bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's nuts, man. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, I love this. Well, uh, Glenn, thank you, thank you, thank you a million times. I just respect you so much, and I love what you're doing. Um, You're making a, a positive dent in the world and an impact in people's lives, and I think that's really the most important uh, thing anybody could do like that is a legacy right because in in life um everything goes back in the box at the end of life that's material it doesn't matter what kind yeah. of boat you had or what kind of truck you had or how much money you had in the bank or in investments it really doesn't what matters is the way that you affected somebody else's life and i love that what you're doing is really blessing people right it's helping them you're you're allowing them to become uh much better because of what you're sharing and through your example. And so thank you very, very much. I, uh, I'm so grateful for you. Um, what, uh, right, right now, uh, maybe we'll ask two more questions here, but what are you currently reading and, uh, what's, what's like your favorite book that you could recommend to the group here? Okay, cool. Um, the book I just finished is called the stuck book, mm. uh, by Chris McAllister. Um, and what it does is it in- two things that aren't really out of the ordinary, but when you bring them together, I was like, that's new, that's different. But he says, compartmentalize your life and then take a look at fall, winter, spring, summer. And instead of putting an overall blanket or umbrella, this is my words now, or this dark cloud over your fall and winter, start saying, hey, my marriage is actually in spring or my health is in summer. Like I'm benefiting from all the work I've done and my spirituality is here and my business is here and my, this is there. 
And by doing that, we can start to differentiate, hey, life isn't this ominous cloud. Like there's a lot of good things going on for me. So that's that's a book for your readers to check out. The other question was like, what's my favorite book? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, man. I think the book I've read the most is As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Um, it's probably a 30 to 40 minute read if you actually read it. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those books that I did not understand in my 20s at all. And now with that perspective and quitting and all these these stories and experiences, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I, I had it in my hand the whole time. I had it in my hand the whole time. So when I talk about the model where it's like, okay, this is my current circumstance and how I'm feeling and thinking about it. Now I can use that book along with some other tools and I can literally envision what I want, come backwards. And if I feel this emotion, it's going to propel me into all the actions that it's going to take to get what I want. So those would be two books I would check out. They're both really short and easy reads. Awesome. Thanks for those recommendations. I've never read this. It's called the stuck book, the stuck book. And it literally says, anytime you feel stuck, pull up this book. And I'm like, man, this is, and it's only maybe an hour and a half long. If you listen to it on one and a half speed, let me see if that's the case. Yeah. Pick this up when you don't know what to do next. So um, what's really fun about this is it does, shrink it back to what's the next right step for me to take. And there's a couple of questions between the chapters. And dude, I think what a lot of us don't do is we just consume so much information, this passive action, and it feels good. But if we would actually slow down and actually answer a few of the questions in the books we read or take notes, uh, I, I think that could be a real big game changer for a lot of people. Oh, I know it would. Yeah, I know it would. I uh, I love that. It's it's interesting in the in the tortoise and the hare that story. It, it the turtle will always win, and we should we should try in our lives to be much more like the turtle than the rabbit because it it didn't get there quickly. But like you said, it's it's just doing things consistently. It didn't yeah. stop and give up. It always had its eye on the prize, knew what it wanted. It had a goal, right? And it just moved as slowly as it needed to. But like you said, if it, as long as you're moving towards the goal, you will eventually get there. Where everybody else will peter out. They'll give up. They'll get exhausted, right? It'll feel overwhelming. So have really, you, really great feedback. Have you heard of the rule of thirds? Please share it. I don't know if I um, I, I, I've kind of bent it. I don't even know what the rule of thirds originally is, but I've kind of molded it to be what I want. Um, a lot of what I do, I take the gym and fitness and health. And that's something that you and I have 100% control over. I eat. Nobody, nobody has an impact on what I eat or don't eat or what I do or don't do. Whereas in a marriage or a business partnership or customers, now we're introducing ourselves to things outside of our control. I wish I could control people, but we can't. So I, I build things up with the gym. The rule of thirds is this. If I work out six days a week, two days, I'm probably going to feel really good. Two days, I'm kind of like, I don't know. This is good. This is okay. It's not great. And then there's two days a week that I do not want to be there. I'm literally questioning if this is even worth it or if it's setting me back a whole week because I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I didn't eat right the day, like whatever it is. But it's that consistency piece, right? So if I can accept that uh, maybe my marriage, Amber and I are really open about how we talk and communicate. Um, but 
I don't always want to be married. I don't think she always wants to put up with my crap either. But if I can accept that the rule of thirds is real in other areas of my life, like your business, I'm sure there's headaches with it. There's parts of your business you don't want to do. And this would go for your listeners too. And there's, there's a lot of lessons just to be learned by showing up and doing it. And again, not taking action from how we feel or don't feel and just moving through and processing all that. So the rule of thirds might help some people accept that, hey, I don't feel great all the time, every day. And that's what it takes with the, with the tortoise. Absolutely. Every day, no matter how you feel or how fast you're going. I love the idea of the rule of thirds. I hadn't heard yeah. that, but it applies so well to everything, right? Like there's times and seasons going back to your idea of the stuck book, right? There's going to be totally fall and winter in life, but when spring and summer are there, you just got to appreciate them and love them and recognize fall and winter as opportunities to grow, to develop, to, to look forward to great times ahead. Cause in business too, like you said, there's times when it's just like you are on top of the world. Things are going amazing. You're super happy. All these great things are happening. There's other times it's like, wow, this is challenging. And, uh, and those are great times too, for other reasons, yeah. right? I, I think that's uh, really meaningful. Well, Glenn, I, I can't thank you enough, man, honestly. Um, I love you and respect you. I think the world of you, I love what you're building and what you're doing for uh, men in the world. You're changing their lives in a very positive way. And so thank you for sharing all of these great insights with the audience today. Just appreciate you a lot. Glad to be here. Glad to, it was tons of fun. I always am like, okay, let's keep going. What's what are we going to talk about next? But this we covered a lot of ground, I think. Well, dude, maybe we'll have to have you on again in the future because there's probably hours of of content we could we could cover here. You're and, and yeah, that would be fun. To talk to and you're very you're very intelligent. I'm sure you get that a lot, but you've you've definitely done a a bunch it's of the work. wizard it's the wizard beard. The beard. Um, yeah, for those that can't see him, he's got he's got a nice beard uh, here. You know what's crazy is uh, I've I've got a trailer and we moved in the last year or two, and I've got probably five or six totes of notes and books and doodle pads and napkins, and it's like, man, all of that came through me at some point, and so yeah, that we can get out of control with consumption, but it does help and it does make a difference, and so, I mean, the biggest thing I could tell people is be courageous, find out what stirs up hope hope is that energy and that emotion that'll help you take the next step um but it, it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of work man to figure this stuff out uh, but there's a lot of great mentors out there you being one of them and so i appreciate your having me on today this was fun oh you're kind brother we're right back at you thank you very very much enjoy the rest of your week it's almost the weekend dude and uh yeah thanks for being here all right yeah